I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that shines a light on LGBTQ plus individuals and takes a look at some positive news stories about queer life. I'm James and I'm joined by my fabulous co-hosts Spencer and Mufseen. How are you two? I'm feeling great today. It's a sunny day, daffodils are out and um, yeah, spring is finally coming. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Like we are sat in your living room and the sun is giving us all it has right now you have a golden hour glow james and that's not just my roots coming through (laughs) (laughs) i don't know when this became an episode of like spring watch i don't know why we're discussing the flowers outside like the squirrels are out and uh, (laughs) the birds are chirping i don't know do you not like flowers spencer i mean i like indoors I like being indoors, and I like being away from all the bugs and stuff that's outside. Uh-huh. Sorry to shout. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying it's nice because I'm quite a seasonal person, so I'm not, I'm not very winter orientated. I'm more summer orientated, mm. and spring is a nice kind of like coming out, back into uh, out of my shell. Yeah, like I'm either a, a spring kind of person or I'm an autumnal kind of person. This episode, we'll be interviewing Radam, a model, writer and activist. We'll be talking to them about their experiences as a non-binary person of colour and look at the daily impact it has on them, plus how they use social media as an opportunity to educate others. But first, a quick look at some positive queer news stories. So my news story this week is that a dad's tweet has gone viral and the tweet was about his son's trans party to celebrate his transition. Basically, the the story is about Dave and Jaden Scott and he's a Canadian father of two and his tweet went viral after he had tweeted about um, throwing a party for um, his son's one-year tea-versary, as he refers to it in the tweet. Um, And he said that his kitchen was full of tea playing quote-unquote beer pong um, and having mocktails and they had a chocolate fountain going on and they just said that it was a really really happy place and it was I don't know I, I read this story and I just thought it was super positive and at the end of the evening they said that they decorated cupcakes and they put a picture up and in the picture they have decorated the cupcakes uh, with the trans flag and I just think that's super super cute so and you know one thing that this article does make a point of is that we all hope, and I think, you know, speak for the room here, that all trans children should have parents like that, where not only is it accepted, but it's celebrated that they are who they want to be. And they're they're given the best opportunity that they can to be able to be authentic mm. and live their authentic life. I love the fact that it's called a tea versary. I've never heard that. No, never it's heard It's a really that, cute tra- uh, term. Yeah. 
And in Dave's last tweet, uh, he says, and since he's reinstalled Twitter to just read this in reference to Jaden reinstalling Twitter, he says, hi, son, let the rad jokes commence. But seriously, we're touched by the love shared here in Twitterverse. Love is love, trans rights are human rights. I just think that's stunning. Yeah, it's a really nice piece of social media. It makes you feel happy when you read it and see it. And, you know, I think there's a lot of problems with um, gender reveal parties. And so I think if we saw more coming out parties and versaries and stuff, I think it'd be really nice to just see people, you know, get together and celebrate that. And like you say, it, it just, it completely normalises the whole process, which is what we need more of in uh, in society. It's so nice to see a father do this for their son. And we, yeah, like you said, uh, we all, as queer people, just want supportive parents like that. So this is this is great. Like this is why I want to do this podcast with good news stories because I want to see more of this. Mufsin, what is your story this week? I read an article on Gay Times about a charity for young LGBT plus people called Just Like Us. Just Like Us was set up to tackle homophobia, biphobia, transphobia in schools, and they do this in three different ways. So they have what they call a school diversity week, which empowers teachers and students to celebrate LGBT equality in education. And they also have a, a program which helps students set up pride groups uh, and their LGBT groups, uh, clubs, societies for pupils so that they have uh, a safe space for LGBT people and allies. Uh, and finally, like, the third thing they do is they have an ambassador program where they train young LGBT people to go to schools and give talks and workshops to kind of promote inclusivity and diversity in schools and kind of make it a safer space and ta- really tackle the homophobic and biphobic and transphobic bullying. But this, this article was written by one of those ambassadors, which is why I, I really liked it. It was written by a, a person called Malik Haddington Ahmed, and he's the Just Like Us ambassador for 2020. So he's really out there like making changes to young people's lives and it's really admirable. And he talks about how this ambassador program gave him the confidence to be a young gay mixed race Muslim. And just like just going to these schools and giving talks and talking about it is giving him that confidence. And it's amazing. So just like us, the charity ran an, um, a survey and found that 85% of young LGBT people have suffered with anxiety and depression. And in the article, Malik expra- explains that um, if he had had this education, which challenged LGBT phobia at school then he would have come to accept himself sooner. And I think that's something that we all know. Like If we were at school and we had that kind of, not just sexual health education, but relationship education, like it would have just helped us massively because you're, you're educating not just the queer people, but also the straight people. And it would have just made this whole experience that we have as in childhood like just a hundred times easier. And, and finally, in the article, he says... At the end of 2019, he went back to his old school in Salford near Manchester uh, and he delivered a four day of workshops to like 12, 13 year olds. And he said that was just like everything was building up to this one moment. And just to go back to your school, like your your, your actual school must have been just like the best moment ever. And that's why I, like, I really like charities like Just Like Us and also Diversity Role Models. They're actively going out there and like, really tackling this at schools at a, young, at a young age so that the next generation grow up to be more inclusive yeah and it's also like that is a really good 
positive story when it comes to education in schools as well because the problem that we've had recently especially a lot of stories based around education in schools or LGBT relationships in schools has all been kind of focused around Birmingham and the protests that have been outside Mm. so sort of to see sort of like positive like someone is actually this charity has been set up and it's it's taking a stand I think is fabulous yeah definitely I remember um, I went back to do some work experience in my high school and I remember the space of somewhere where I was closeted and I was very anxious and people were kind of not coming after me, but very like pressing me to come out, if you like. So then when I went back, I was to some extent like a teaching assistant and I was able to then see the roles reverse. And I saw kids that maybe stood out or were on their own and were a little bit different to be able to to kind of talk openly with them about stuff and, and kind of point them in the right direction. I think this kind of um, project helping if if it was if it was available in every school it it would transform this this country the world whatever like completely because the ignorance a lot of the time it it is just that people haven't heard of these things particularly at a young age so just to hear lgbt or gay lesbian whatever without going into the the kremlin the Nooks and crannies? Without going into the nooks and crannies. You said Kremlin. (laughs) Without going into the Kremlin. Whoops. Yeah, without going into the finer details of sex. Or, you know, there's a lot more to being LGBT than than sex. And so, yeah, I think think it's vital that this exists. And like you say, I wish it had existed when I was at school. Just to have someone come into school and talk about it amongst your peers, that makes an active change. And that's what I really like about this programme. Spencer, what is your story this week? Um, my story's a little bit more fun. The headline was Lesbians Share Passionate Kiss to Protest Homophobic Preacher at Pride. Um, the Pride Parade in question was taking place in Auckland in New Zealand and basically Philip Blair, who is an anti-LGBT+, anti-abortion American preacher who runs uh, a ministry called The Torch of Christ... Um, which all sounds very... He sounds like a really nice guy. He yeah. sounds he's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's up there with the people that we definitely avoid and we don't want in our lives. But he, he runs Torch of Christ Ministries, like I said, which is a ministry committed to the vision of taking the light of Christ into all dark places. And those dark places are... Um, Not my the... dark rooms. <laughs> Not the dark I'm rooms. In, in this case, those dark places are pride. So he turns up to Pride mm. and starts preaching um, about how awful it is and how um, Jesus can, you know, help make the change that needs to happen to bring these people peace. And it's it's horrendous. It's hate. It's it's hate, it's, it's hate crime. It's it's sad and it's a shame that it's taking place. And I place. wonder if his if he has a Twitter account if that's been taken down. I might Google that later. We'll find out. We'll find out. In in combat to this, groups of lesbians have been turning up to his preachers and talks, getting standing in slightly in the background and mm. kissing um, and get, and taking a photo. And, they, and these photos have been trending of, of lesbians um, kissing in protest. It's slightly comical. It's it's fun, and it's it's really important to to see that counterbalance. I know when I've when I went to Pride in London for the first time two or three years ago, there was someone walking down the pavement with a megaphone saying like you know jesus will love yeah. you you'll all go to hell and god yes. knows what else yeah. but they were this was one individual surrounded by 10 lgbt people who were like but why doesn't jesus love me like tell me more tell me more like really pressing on him to 
to basically, you know, leave. And it felt really safe. And often in those situations, we're not in a safe position. It, often the crowd against us is bigger than, than yes, us. Yes. So it was, it was re- it's really good to see stuff like that. So, so this, this story just really resonated with me. That's great. I love that. You're literally tackling hate with love. Exactly, which which we need to do more of. So, all LGBT people, can you kiss more in public? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, hold hands. <laughs> always when, makes if, you're, if it's safe to. Always yeah. makes me laugh in the Bible though when it says that you know two men in a bed shall be stoned, and you they just did not know how right they were when they put that in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I think the I completely agree in terms of like we should have more people who are same sex showing affection in public if they want to and if they feel comfortable doing so i think the problem for some and myself included is that if i show affection to someone who i'm interested in who does happen to be same sex is that sometimes it can feel a little bit political which is how that sounds to me so i think it's i don't know it's a difficult line to to walk down i'd say that's interesting you say that but i think just our existence is political very you can't escape that but that in itself is incredibly problematic. I don't. I, it's a shame that our existence is political. I think it's something we're, we're yeah, very proud of, but it's a shame. It's a shame. It's that is what it is. But mm. yeah, you know, I think everything you do is going to be political, no matter no matter what. And I think it was Glamru who spoke about this in a recent talk that I went to, and they said every time you have someone of a person of color or a queer person come on the BBC, they always need to counterpoint that with another person to give an, another opinion that's opposite because the BBC always has to be neutral. But actually, when you're talking about trans rights and, you know, uh, queer rights, like, actually, just let that person speak and they don't need to have an argument or a debate with someone else to justify this because, actually, it's not a debate. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of having someone on there to say that, no, trans people should not have their rights. That's not you being neutral. No, it's not. not (laughs) So, to summarise the story, now, for me, I think... The, the preacher has his followers and they support him and the lesbians have the LGBT community and they support them. And often, whilst this is political, I think we as LGBT people are like, yeah, yeah, this is this is a great protest. But you often don't see how that um, kind of plays out in reality, like what, what change is being made, what's actually happening here. And for this story... Um, they revealed at the end that due to the photos being released, a couple of members of the ministry then started questioning um, Philip Blair about his um, thoughts and views and um, beliefs and have now started kind of reacting to what he's saying. So this has actually had a very positive impact on that. It's it's changed people's way of thinking. Like we said, if 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 more of that can happen and more education can happen through us just being ourselves, being authentic and loving one another, then that's that's exactly what I'm going to continue to do, I think. Speaking of expressing our queer selves as a form of protest, we're now going to speak with Radam about their experiences as a non-binary person of colour and how they use social media as an opportunity to educate others. Hi everyone, I, my name is Radam and I am a mixed race, non-binary writer, creator, model, performer, basically anything that I can get paid for, I will do. 
and uh, my pronouns are they, them. Over recent months, you've become a lot more um, vocal in your captions and mm. you make a lot of statements through social media. When did you reach this point and, and what's the kind of process? Yeah, well, I'm very much uh, use my social media out of kind of responsiveness. I don't think about it too much. It's usually done kind of after something happens in my life or if I see uh, something happen in the media and I'll respond to it. And then it comes out of quite an emotional place uh, when I do write about it. Um, So I try not to kind of censor myself in that sense. I swear and stuff online and I will say some things that are not under Instagram's guidelines. So um, I do tend to get shadow banned, which is when Instagram limits the functionality that you can have on the on the site, and on the app and the reach that you can get um, because you've been either like reported too many times or you've done something that doesn't meet their guidelines. And so um, they can... Um, make make it so that hashtags don't work as well so that you don't are not seen to a wider audience um yeah it's just something that um instagram does to bring everyone in line to their guidelines but if their guidelines don't they're not necessarily uh, objective exactly if they don't allow for um vulnerable minorities to to be able to have a voice then it's not really no i get i've had the same thing i've been shadow banned and not because i've been outside the community guidelines in my opinion like, I've been shadow banned because I've posted a gym picture of me topless, but because I'm slightly hairier than other men, it's deemed as pornography or something like that, or I don't know. I go on Instagram and I see loads of photos where it's actually a lot more pornographic and people are completely naked. And I'm just like, how am I shadow banned and these people are just allowed to continue to do that? Yeah, exactly. It's not, um, it's not equal and they've done like research into it. I think it was by Salty World or, or someone did like independent research into um, how but like different bodies were policed um, yeah. using that and like bigger bodies and um, I guess people of colour and like um, sex mm-hmm. workers and that kind of stuff were shadow banned more because of their bodies whereas like Victoria's Secret models could get away with doing the exact same thing. Exactly. So that kind of like discrimination which comes into Instagram's policies should be investigated continually investigated and i think they should if they don't have to they should have to say what their uh, algorithms are do you find that what you experience online you experience in real life too like um is it is it more so on your social media because you have a a greater presence or you know how does that kind of compare to to your day-to-day life what i experience in in real life is is a lot more intense in the way that it's experienced I definitely use social media especially Instagram as somewhere that I can um, at least partially control it's a space that I have that I even though Instagram's policies kind of limit it sometimes it's something that I can choose what I post I can write captions I have that voice which I can control Mm -hmm. Um, whereas in in public there's no way to control what happens to me in that in those environments and and so that feels very out of my control like I have to limit myself a lot more in those environments um, in order to survive because um, of the physical abuse and assault that can happen by being um, non-binary in public. So we saw a recent post where you had an exchange with an individual on a dating app. I think it's a given that these spaces are hard to navigate. How have you found dating apps as someone who is non-binary and a person of colour? 
they're definitely very difficult spaces to navigate for both of those reasons. I think it's it's difficult for everyone. In that post, I do talk about the kind of double-edgedness of the online uh, dating space. I think it, they're very important, um, especially for young queer people that perhaps don't know uh, are closeted or don't know exactly are questioning their sexuality and they can go online and find other people in the community in air quotes mm. um it's not just about uh, about sex i think it can be for for a lot of people but i think there's a lot of like knowledge sharing that can happen through these dating apps um and there's a lot of relationships uh, that can be formed that are really helpful for young queers but Along with that, you're going to get the same kind of shitty people that you get on on all social media and and in real life, um, people who are racist and transphobic. In in terms of the racism, it seems to be getting better, but there's a lot of people that that say no Asians, no No, black people. No Asians, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing, which is just blatant um, kind of racism. But a lot of people, I guess, it's a really complicated topic it's kind of people don't see their sexual preferences as... As racially charged. As racially charged. Yeah. They don't see it as something that is reflective of the, it, a societal norm. I yeah, guess. people would just be like, oh, I just like what I like. But it's like, yeah. have you thought of why you like, though? Exactly. And, 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 yeah, just in the same way that all of our, like, who we decide to be friends with and hiring policies in all different domains, if people are prejudiced in, in the sexual domain, that has to come from somewhere. And that comes from like white supremacy usually or colonialism and and historical things which have which have formed those um sexual preferences and i think it's not that people should just go around kind of trying things with everyone but i think it should hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Be being reflexive about where those sexual interests come from and and trying to break that down a little bit. But do you find that people online, when they say stuff like, oh, you're non-binary or, or you're, you're brown, it's not my thing, does that come, play, come from a place of ignorance or actually, like, active racism? I think it depends what they've specifically said. I think if someone says no brown people, then that's active racism. <laughs> I think if just just the act of saying... I'm going to exclude an entire group mm. of people is the definition of racism yeah. <laughs> based on their ethnicity or whatever. I think that we can try and change things like that through kind of removing 
the ability to, I think you can filter on Grinder based on ethnicity, which is really problematic. Yeah, so um, I, I, I never put the fact that I'm South Asian down on Grinder. Mm. I refuse to enter my race into that because I don't think that filter should exist. Yeah, and you can see, like, sadly, you see a lot of people of colour on these apps that, like, will feel the need to say Asian on mm. their thing because they uh, have been reduced to their race in so many ways and um, throughout their life that they feel that that's going to... That's that's all they can... Yeah, that's, that's, some, that's the first thing they can offer, but actually, no, there's a lot more. To answer the question, I guess um, it can, it, it's a bit of both. I think that you can be educated on it. I think racism comes from ignorance and if we start to kind of like in that exchange on my Instagram, it was someone that uh, misgendered me. And I think a lot of people will say they, they just said, sorry, man, you're not my type. And a lot of people may just use that language without thinking about it. And it's not in a, I'm intending to be rude to you or like I'm not intending Mm. to misgender you I just say that kind of language out of habit and so in this example I just told this person that they've misgendered me and that it's clear on my profile that I'm non-binary and I go by they them and they responded in a very polite way saying thanks for calling me out I would do better in the future and I and it's a it's a process of unlearning and that's definitely I guess true but this was definitely a rare occurrence where someone actually was polite, <laughs> was polite, polite yeah. about it. Usually they just get attack def- you, block yeah. you, get defensive. Yeah. Yeah. That kind and of do thing. you think it's your place to educate other people? Not at all. I think I, I kind of see it as a not a responsibility, but an opportunity. It's not the person, the group of people or anyone that's being attacked's responsibility to educate the people that are attacking them. Sadness, anger, all those kinds of emotions are really common and, and okay to feel if you're someone one that's especially a trans person or a trans person of color that's experiencing these things it should be the people in power that are educating each other on these issues and you just don't see it at all i have to put in my profile like no sexual racism blah 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 and then i have to educate people on these topics because i see it as an opportunity to do but that should be every one of your not speaking to the (laughs) to the white people but that should be in all white people's profile is saying that because they have people in power have to give up something in order to to allow for people that don't have power to gain power and uh, you just don't see it those people will not give up sex to help out oppressed minorities (laughs) i think it's like if someone's misgendering you and you're there educating them, it probably gets a bit tiring doing that. But I like the way that you phrase it. It's like, it's, it's an opportunity to teach someone. Because if you had just, if you were just misgendered and then you decided to end the conversation, block them and walk away from it, actually that person's not getting, you know, that interaction being told like, you can do better next time. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's quite telling how people respond to those situations. Like everyone has made mistakes in their life. Like I've like said a lot of things that I regret like in my lifetime and I think we all have when we were younger when we had access to like the internet too early we probably said things that we've gone and wiped (laughs) but if we say something wrong and are called out about it the way we respond is quite telling especially if it's someone that we have more power than if we've hurt someone and then we choose to be more offended by them being hurt than us 
than what we've done to them and them being hurt, then that's really telling of how that person that person is going to respond to a whole different range of situations. Mm-hmm. A lot of white people get more offended by being called racist than racism, and that's really telling as a concept. Because <laughs> no, I, 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 I did a screenshot of I did a screenshot of Grinder once on um, and I put it on Twitter, and it was basically someone just asking me like, "Where are you from?" Not like, "Where are you actually from?" Mm. And I'm like, "No, I'm from Brighton." It's like, why don't you just ask me why am I brown? Yeah. Um, like, so seriously, so if you want to just ask me why I'm brown, just ask me why I'm brown. If me saying I'm from Brighton isn't good enough, then just ask the question you're really asking. Yeah. I put that on Twitter and then I had loads of all, like, white followers uh, reply to the tweet saying, oh no, he didn't mean it like that. And, you know, and like, everyone's getting defensive for this random person that you don't know mm. because they're so scared of being one of them being called yeah. a racist. Or I'm sure in some situation, the, the people who replied to that tweet had probably asked where are you from to someone and they got defensive because they're like oh shit was I racist mm. once or did I say a racist comment yeah and I'm like you don't need to I've put it up and said I, I feel like this is a racially mm. charged um, comment and like they don't need to go and defend a stranger just accept that this is a, a racist incident which mm. happened to me and just accept that and don't start questioning me as a, as a victim I guess yeah I think yeah part of it could be also a kind of the culture that has kind of been cultivated online of like cancel culture and that kind of thing of like people feel like if they get labeled racist that it might be their entire lifetime and career which is being affected and I definitely think that we should like there should be consequences for people's actions definitely but there's also ways that we can do that without saying that someone's entire existence is false or or whatever because of a mistake that they made. I think in the same way that being an ally is not an identity um, because you have, it's an action that you do. It's something that people should be doing in every situation. You don't get to be like, oh, I helped out a trans person like yesterday. I therefore am an ally for the rest of my life. Um, You don't get to do that in the same way that if you've, um, perpetuated racist behavior. I, I like to try not call them racist. I just say what they did was racist or they did, ra- they b- behaved racistly um, because they're not, they can change that. Yeah. They can choose to become not, not perpetuate that racist behavior in the future. So I yeah. think that's important to say as well. So you have become a lot more expressive online recently with regards to your activism. How would you say, how long would it have taken you to have got to that particular point? It did take me quite a long time to to reach the point where I felt comfortable in expressing myself in the way I do online. I grew up a very socially anxious person. I wouldn't talk to kind of people at the shops I wouldn't answer the phone I really struggled with interacting with people on stage or or presentations that kind of thing and then actually like social media was a really big help for me to come out of my shell in that way Um, I started just kind of dressing up and posting photos of myself in makeup and things online before I even ever was brave enough to do that in real life and the more that I kind of performed or was expressive um, online, the more I felt confident in in doing that in the flesh as well and wearing what I wanted to wear um, in the flesh. Um, but it did take a long time to do that. And I, but I do, I am thankful for kind of Instagram 
as a space, as, as oppressive as some of its practices are, it's definitely somewhere where more people of all different body types, of different ethnic backgrounds, of different gender sexuality can express themselves and be validated for that, which was never something that was able to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've started doing a lot more just showing my body and showing my art and fashion and, and doing a lot more videos as well. I think that type of content is a lot more effective at getting to a large audience. I think yeah. that we're definitely more of a, especially on Instagram, it's a more visual um, kind of arena. People don't tend to read long captions as much. So I've definitely moved to that kind of way of expressing myself as well. So uh, some of our listeners may not have seen your content. Um, do you want to explain one of the videos you've done recently? I did a video called Nine First Date Non-Binary No-Nos. And it's kind of a satirical take on on the ways that people treat non-binary people in a dating kind of scenario um so a lot of like weird things happen in that kind of scenario of people just like don't know how to treat your um pronouns and they will reference other non-binary people um and be like why are you like that person yeah why are you like Sam Smith yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so this uh video just was like nine references to that yeah and I had a this white man in there and was just slapping him every Uh-oh. time <laughs> he Poor did, guy. did something wrong so <laughs> so you're taking your experiences fun. putting it into a video with a bit of humor mm. and that's reaching a wider audience and actually is educating people but in a way that they might actually um learn something from it which isn't just reading because like we will have short attention spans and we'd rather see someone telling us in a video in a funny way like actually this is how you should interact in the real world yeah, definitely. I, I I think that I haven't really seen this kind of content happen from the the trans community. Uh, I think there's that, um, obviously, all forms of activism and um, ways of expressing yourself are important. I think that it's obviously important to talk about the issues that happen to trans people because there's so many things that we still need to get through, but also there's so much joy in being a trans person there's so much joy in being a person of color Mm -hmm. and i think that we should be able to laugh at 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 some of these things that happen and if i can especially make another trans person watch that and make them laugh at that situation and also teach cis people about things that happen to trans people then i've done what i've set out to do really Absolutely. You want to give you a high five right now. <laughs> it's it's really inspiring. I think um, this rings this kind of brings up um, Travis Alaban's show Burgers, which saw Travis take their experience of um, having a burger thrown at them in the street through like um, an attack and turning it into a show. Would you like to ever? Do you kind of hope to get to that point? I know you've done a few performances in in clubs and stuff. Do you, do you hope one day to have your own show? Kind of addressing these these things i'm in two minds about it i watched burgers and it was it's incredible i love travis but it's so intense and Mm. they i know how much energy and just pure life force it takes to to kind of expose a traumatic situation night in night out um in front of people and it was so effective at challenging the audience um, and so uh, well done and I know so many people that got a lot out of it but I don't know if it would be in me 
to do it in that sure. format. Um, I think that um, I'd love to, to do more things on stage, but I think hopefully I can create something that, that does bring that joy that I uh, do in my videos on Instagram to, to a different platform and a wider platform. So using that kind of same scenario of making not light of the issues, but just like bringing the joyful aspects of being a trans person out there because ultimately what I want to see is people explore their gender, their sexuality, their ethnic identity without having the torturous nature of it while growing up because it's really hard to, I guess like everyone can probably relate in this room in terms of in different aspects. It's kind of like two things you have to go through um, in order to feel comfortable in your environment. You have to first believe that what you're feeling is the right feeling. You have to like that I am attracted to people of my own gender and I'm a trans person or like I'm, I'm this or that. And you have to believe that enough to go against so many different people in your life. I don't think that should have to exist. We should be able to explore those things without having that torturous nature of, of that. And we have to recognize that, that the second bit is the part we can remove, which is the external factors of people of getting over that. We should pull that joy out, I guess. There's a lot of serious stuff yeah. when it comes to being a queer person, mm. because we do have, you know, we have struggles and we live in a society where everyone says we're different and we have to fight that. But actually, what you do with your videos is amazing because it's a lot of joy and fun being a queer person. And the older I get, the more I love being queer. And that needs to be communicated to everyone, and especially to younger people to know, actually, you're, you're queer. You know, like you say, you have, to, you have to love your identity. You have to love the fact that, you know, you might have same-sex attractions, you know, and you might be a trans person. You have to love that first and then start loving life. So I'm just going to flip the switch a little bit here and because I think I've done enough talking. I think, so you're all cisgender we are. Um, yes. people um, on this podcast. Um, and a lot of the work, as I've just discussed, does come back to trans people in order to fight their battles and, and in the midst of some things we're seeing in the online community, such as um, not just the online community, but within the LGBTQIA plus community, we're seeing things like the LGB Alliance, which is um, people that are trying to separate the trans issues from this community. Um, what is something that you can do personally better in order to support trans people? I do activism stuff every now and again, like every day, basically. And um, I think something I can do more is actually use words like cis and use my pronouns even when I'm not asked, you know? Because when I say I'm a cis male and I say my pronouns are he, him, that's making people think about talking like that and using the terminology. And I think that is the way that we can start facilitating as an ally the trans movement. Also, like, stuff like you, you say LGB alliance, like, I make it very clear on my social media, like, where I stand on that. I'm like, I've got no time for any gay, lesbian, bisexual people who don't care for the trans movement, and I will say that, all right. Being more vocal about it and, um, and being a good ally each day. 
So I work in tech from a day-to-day basis and in my previous place of employment what I actually got people to do was to put their pronouns onto their profiles and also into Mm. their email signatures because then it sort of it encourages people to engage a bit more about that but also um, I was at a really interesting talk at Microsoft um, and they were hosting Intertech and a trans woman was um, talking about how the inclusions of pronouns made it a much more welcoming environment for people who are genderqueer, genderfluid, trans, non-binary to be able to put their pronouns forward. It showed that, you know, it was a welcoming environment. And we, we did that in my previous place of employment. And actually someone who identifies as non-binary saw that some of us did have pronouns in our profile. And they turned around and they said to one of the principal uh, engineers, they said, you know, because you have put that, I felt comfortable to be able to come out as a non-binary And something that I think is also important as well is, as a cisgender person, I wanted to see in my new place of employment where the gaps lie for the community. So I've pushed to see whether or not we can get a transitioning at work policy, because that's something that we don't have yet. Um, So personally speaking, I would say that have a look at your policies within work and see whether or not um, there is a transitioning at work policy because some sickness uh, policies don't will not cover the length of time that it requires for someone if they wish to have surgery to transition just to be clear not everyone who is trans wants to go down the surgery route but if you do there is no way you're going to be able to go off work and then within 10 days come back so it's like you know, you need to have conversations with your social impact groups at work and see whether or not you can actually get a, a policy like that mm-hmm. put in place. So those are some of the things that I'm trying to do and I should probably be a wee bit more active around them to make sure they're actually being enacted upon. But yeah, those are some of the things that I hope make an impact for trans, non-binary and gender fluid people. Um, I think for me, the majority of what I do is is heavily through social media particularly with For the Love of Queers, the Instagram page that I run, um, I scroll back to the beginning and I was just reposting famous celebrities and, and the majority of them were cis and white because that was who I knew when I began. And I think constantly kind of coming to present day on the feed and who I interact with and how I kind of find people, reach people, I'm constantly trying to uh, lift the voices on the platform of more trans and non-binary people I think it's really important not to be tokenistic but to to be diverse and and something that I'm very passionate about is not just looking at those that already have a voice and a platform but looking at those who are just sat in their room at home trying to figure themselves out and and giving them a space to share their story and their experience and also pointing them in the right direction to be like these people exist and they're, they're having great lives you know they're fantastic people like you coming on the show People are going to be like, wow, like, you know, it's inspiring, particularly through what you do with social media and your activism. So pointing people in, in the right direction and, and making sure that I'm giving them a space on a platform that's that's for them, not not for me. Yeah, I think that's really important. And this whole podcast, I appreciate we, based on microphones and tech and stuff, we, we can't have the entire community in the room at once. But I really want to make sure that all voices are heard and that we're hearing stories like yours so that we can reach more people and, and give you, just give people access to you as well because it's it's vital that we're having these conversations in the community and uh, that we all kind of get to know each other and support each other as well because I don't I don't think that's day to day always happening so that support in our community for our community is is vital. 
And that, everyone, is the end of the fourth episode of Queer Talk. Make sure to follow us on the socials to keep up to date with what we're up to. On Instagram, we are queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.